Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Valentine's Day, and there might be no greater fairy tale romance than the one between the city of Chicago and pizza. The religion of pizza in Chicago is definitely a thing. For so many people, for millions of people, it's their childhood. It's like, boom, it takes you back. It's the flavor of nostalgia. And lately, on a national scale, the focus has been away from deep dish and more so on thin, sometimes ultra-thin, crunchy, tavern style in small square cuts that still pack a wallop of taste and texture. Oftentimes when people talk about Chicago-style pizza, they're thinking stuffed. And so that's typically kind of a one-note experience. And during lockdown, it seems that both restaurateurs and your average home cooks have attempted to elevate the tavern-style craft to a whole new level. Pizza is so much about time and temperature. And with a tavern-style, it is kind of dummy-proof. And yet it's still can be like a really fine expression of technique. And I think that's one of the big challenges and the exciting things for chefs too, feeling like, you know, challenge accepted. I'm Jim Hankey, and this week we're crafting a love letter to tavern-style pizza in Chicagoland, how it can be best done at home, and who's already making some of the best in the city. Let's get looped in, Chicago. You could say that research is one of the best parts of my job. And this week, that research involved hitting up Bungalow by Middlebrow in the Logan Square area as they made their version of tavern-style pizza. This particular one was topped with ham, onion, and pineapple jardinera. That's fantastic. I, that pineapple jardinera is amazing. That's really good. Super crunchy, super crisp. Sweet, like a perfect mix of sweet and savory. Like, yowza. This is incredible. This is really good. Wow. No joke, this was one of the best pizzas I've had in recent memory. It was a 10 out of 10 for me in sweetness with the pineapple, saltiness, and crunch. Because as you probably know, one of the major selling points on Tavern Style is that it's supposed to be thin and crispy, like fingernail thin, as opposed to the doughy deep dish 
that Chicago has become known for over the decades. You can check out video of my visit on our socials this week, at WBBM News Radio 105.9 on TikTok, and over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at WBBM News Radio. Carolyn, the pizza chef who made this particular pie at Bungalow by Middlebrow, told me a bit more about it as I tried not to devour the whole thing. So yeah, we finished it with a little bit of Malden and uh, this pineapple jardinera. Uh, Tucker at the bakery made this. It's charred pineapple deglazed with some uh, sherry. And then it's mixed with uh, like a mild Chicago style jardinera and seasoned with a little bit of sherry vinegar. Pretty cool condiment. So it's it's kind of interesting how the uh, the pineapple goes so well with the the jardinera. It's like texturally similar in a way, and then also like it's nice to kind of sweeten it up. Major publications as of late, like Bloomberg and Esquire, have tried to capture why this particular style of pizza is sweeping the nation. And recently, Chicago Tribune food critic Louisa Chu spotlighted Bungalow by Middlebrow as doing one of the best newer takes on tavern style. Later in this episode, I'll speak with her more about their approach and the other two spots she recommended in her article. But first, for some history on tavern style pizza, as well as how this style can be best executed at home, I sat down with Steve Delinsky. Now, whether you want to use the term enthusiast, connoisseur, expert, Steve is all of that when it comes to pizza. According to his own website, since 2017, Steve has made it his mission to find Chicago's best pizza and debunk the myth that all Chicagoans eat enormous stuffed pies with two layers of dough. His thesis has always been Chicago is a thin pizza town, specifically a tavern-thin one, with pies cut into squares. Steve has written multiple books on the subject of pizza, hosts a podcast called Pizza City, and on top of hosting pizza tours around town, he launched Chicago's Pizza City Fest in 2022, with subsequent events happening in Los Angeles and Nashville later this year. So Steve visited the WBBM studios to talk with me this week about his journey, one slice at a time. Steve, you strike me as someone who may remember their first pizza memory, or at least an early pizza memory that you would deem as sort of life-changing and, and setting you on your course. Can we start off talking about that? Is there anything that comes to mind? Sure. It probably would have been uh, Shakey's in Minneapolis, Minnesota, yeah. sometime in the 70s. <laughs> uh, as you may or may not know, Shakey's started in Sacramento in the mid-50s. It was a thin pizza. The cool thing about Shakey's was you could actually stand up um, in front of the window and watch them make the pizza, mm. which was so exciting. Yes. That was part of the fun. It wasn't the world's greatest pizza. In fact, I, I happened to be in Palm Springs about a year ago, and there's a Shakey's branch still there, and I okay. dragged my wife in there. I said, oh, well, let's go relive my childhood. <laughs> it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. It never lives up to it no. uh, in your mind. Well, let's talk a little bit about the name Tavern Style. Party Cut is also one that we hear. We can't really originate it down to a specific date, a specific place, but when you talk about this with people, how do we know it as Tavern Style to this day? Because there were bars uh, before there were pizzerias, like Home Run Inn, like Vito and Nick's, they were definitely taverns before they were full-fledged pizzerias. So uh, Home Run Inn's a great example. So Mary Grittani was running that place. Her son-in-law came back from the war in the mid-40s, and then they started this tavern with, they were doing popcorn as the thing that would get you to be thirsty. Sure. So very salty popcorn would encourage you to buy more beers because they made money on the alcohol. Then it morphed into pizza, and this was partly because of technology, the ability 
to get out of the coal-fired and the wood-fired ovens. You typically would see those ovens on Taylor Street in the 1920s and 30s, mm-hmm. but you get to the 1940s, you can do gas-fired oven. You can lower the temperature. You can bake a little bit longer. Hence, you have the ability to get a little bit more creative. You don't need to do these Neapolitan pizzas with the chewy and the blistered and the sort of wet middles. So you can make these thin pizzas. You cut them into squares. You pass them around the bar as a freebie because you can fit the little squares on a cocktail napkin. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the perfect bar snack. Just salty enough, again, to encourage thirst to get you to buy more beers. So you see this happening at Home Run Inn. They become a full-fledged pizzeria in 47. Vito and Nick's was a tavern again um, in in the city, I think on Polk or somewhere near Little Italy. Then they go southwest side, and they've been a pizzeria for about 75, 80 years. So it was a tavern before it was a pizzeria, essentially. That's kind of where we see it happening in Chicago. Yeah. We've seen this uptick, of course, during the lockdown of 2020, Everyone's taking up new hobbies and what have you. And pizza is obviously like one of these big things, right? But you mentioned the way it's cooked. You mentioned these ovens. I would have a feeling that that helps it, right? The, somebody at home, it's a it's a lower barrier of entry for this new thing to go, oh, I can make this at home. Is that part of it? Absolutely. I mean, I've been messing around with this dough press at home and making pizzas at home in the tavern style. And again, some people, there's a Facebook group called, you know, Chicago Thin you cannot say tavern style. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay, so Chicago got it. thin. Got to represent those people. There's bar sure. pies, tavern pies, right? Party cut, but um, it's interchangeable. Chicago thin and tavern tavern style. Got it. So, but the good thing about this style is you can bake it at about four seventy five or five hundred, which most people at home get their ovens up to. Now, I will say the only thing you need to have is a pizza stone. You should Mm -hmm. invest 30, 35 bucks into a steel or a stone and preheat that in the oven for at least a half an hour. That gives you that crispy bottom that makes this pizza crunch and crackle. Um, That's important with the tavern style pie, but it is much more approachable to people who want to be kind of weekend warriors. Right. I, f- I see the Goznies and the Unis and those sort of fancy juiced oven. Even the Breville makes like a $1,000 pizza oven. You don't need that for this style. I mean, that's a totally different dough recipe. It's a different flour you're using. It's a different hydration level. It's a different fermentation level. All these different factors. I mean, pizza is so much about you know time and temperature. And with a tavern style, it is kind of dummy proof. I mean, I think this is the reason why people who were not chefs, who maybe were bartenders or tavern owners, were making this pizza <laughs> yeah. in the 40s, right? Because they could do it. It wasn't that hard. Right. That's amazing. What is a topping that not a lot of people think of? We talk about pineapple, we talk about a jardinera, obviously, like for the Chicago style. But like, what's something that's a little underrated in your in your mind? Again, you've written the books, plural, on pizza. So what's an underrated topping that people at home might want to try out? Well, you mentioned jardinera, and I, I still think it's important to mention that even if our audience is all Chicagoans, because a lot of them just think of jardinera as an Italian beef condiment. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, put it on a tuna salad sandwich today. It was amazing. Fantastic. There you um, go. Because anything that has richness or mayo or cream or fat, mozzarella typically is a higher fat item. You've got in Chicago typically sausage, not pepperoni, and that's applied raw. So there's fat and there's fennel. And as that fat renders out into the pie, it's quite rich. You get Sometimes you can even get like grease pools. Yeah. The thing about jardinera is it cuts right through that. It's crunchy, it's briny, it's a little spicy. It's a great balance. Even even if it's mild jardinera, it doesn't have to be hot jardinera, mm-hmm. but it's just a great 
I think, counterbalance to the sort of rich, milky mozzarellas you typically see on most pizzas. I don't get, on the West Coast, they put ranch dressing on everything. They dip their pizzas in ranch. Have you seen this? They drizzle I do ranch. It, I, I got to be it. honest, Steve. I do it myself. Okay. Yeah. So that tells me that <laughs> the quality of the dairy maybe just isn't up to snuff, or your crust isn't that great and that you have to bury it and cover it in something and more dairy. When you go to Robert's Pizza and Dough Company over here in Streeterville, the dough is so good you can eat it on its own because you're eating great bread. It's yeah. hot bread. Right. I, I do like things that that play sort of with the balance. So like hot honey is another one. Mm -hmm. I like hot honey because it gives you sweet heat. And if you're having something like soppressata that has some heat to it or hot sausage on your pizza, um, a little hot honey will cut through that. Yeah. So I think I'm, you know people always balk at pineapple. Uh, the thing I don't like about pineapple is the juice. Yeah. It's just like when you put on raw mushrooms or onions or even peppers sometimes. When you put those on raw and you bake the pie for 12, 13 minutes, they expel water. Yeah. And that's where you get this really sort of... Uh, it's like a juicy slice of pizza, which I don't want it dripping with water, right? right. You typically want to find places where they saute the mushrooms ahead of time and then place them on the pizza to bake. And right. I, will, I will ask that question of the server, do you pre-roast or saute your mushrooms ahead of time? Same thing with, with pineapple. There's so much juice and water in it. If you can roast it ahead of time, dry it out somehow or saute it a little bit to get some of that liquid out of it, then when you put a little bit of roasted pineapple on a pie with something spicy like soppressata or sausage, it's a great balance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's so funny that this week, one of the very first Super Bowl commercials I saw was Pizza Hut has now come out with, as you just said, oh, it's honey. a hot honey pizza. I said the same thing to my wife. I'm like, see this? <laughs> we were talking about this in our pizza world three years ago. Yeah. You know, Mike's Hot Honey was kind of the first one to do it. But yeah, now a national chain has embraced it. <laughs> as they are usually three years behind. Yeah, that's, 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 that was trends. all right. Exactly. Is there a secret in your mind to not weighing down a really good tavern style? Like, I feel like a supreme... Would even aside from the cheese, like I would limit it to like three toppings, right? Yeah. Like if you want to, you really want to have that crunchy, thin base. Is there a perfected amount of toppings? What do you think? Yeah, I think well, for sure, less is more with pizza. Um, I have a term that I use in both books, OBR, which is optimal bite ratio. Mm. I think supremes are kind of selfish on the part of the pizzerias because what they're doing is, you know, they, they're upselling you, right? It's seventy-five cents extra, buck extra for each of these ingredients. Even if it's a sturdier crust, even if it's a Detroit style or a Sicilian, I would never put more than two ingredients besides the sauce and cheese. Gotcha. So okay. again, sausage jardinera is my baseline. Um, it could be a pepperoni only. It could be a pepperoni and hot honey. It could be um, maybe uh, maybe a spinach yeah. only. But again, no more than two ingredients, folks. Right. And we were talking before we went on air here. Uh, the, the day that this airs is Valentine's Day. And let's talk about that <laughs> that heart-shaped pizza that most places are doing. I think the battle that I see is that you and your partner are going to spar over that last triangle at the bottom of a heart or whatever, right? Because that's, yeah. a, a, that's, a, that's a piece everybody wants. Let's be honest. Again, you, I think you're getting less volume for the same amount of money you're spending. You're right. spending money on a medium or a large in some cases, and you're missing a lot of the real estate because of that pizza. So the yeah. pizzerias certainly love it. And at the end of the day, it, it's an Instagram post. Yes. It's, a, it's for the feed. It's for the Insta feed. <laughs> right, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. It's about getting the great picture. Look at me. I got a heart shape. I love my partner. You know, we have a heart shaped pizza. But I think at the end of the day, it's not a good value. And it's not any better tasting, certainly. No, it's, absolutely you know. not. Yeah, you're right. Tavern style is great pizza. But, you know, why do you think it's taken off to the point where national outlets, Esquire and Bloomberg are writing about it? I wonder what folks outside of Chicagoland are finally seeing with it. Do you point it to anything in particular? Oh, yeah. It's outside the Midwest, not just outside Chicago. Um, it, part, of, part of it is the OBR situation. You know, it's optimal bite ratio. It's hard to get a mouthful of cheese or dough like you would with a stuffed pie. 
oftentimes when people talk about Chicago style pizza, they're thinking stuffed. And so that's typically kind of a one note experience. You're getting a lot of either cheese or dough. Uh, or I should say crust. It's dough when it's raw. It's crust when it's baked. Right. But I think outside the Midwest, people are like, wow, what is this? St- I've never seen this style before. Squares to me are usually our Sicilian squares on the East Coast, mm-hmm. right? When we've been on the West Coast doing our pizza event in L.A., you cannot find tavern-style pizza anywhere. And yet we know there are expats, you know, people who've been transplanted out there, and they miss their Barnabys, they miss their Vito and Nick's, what have you. Um, so I do think it's it's a novelty. Just like Detroit was three, four years ago, people started talking about Detroit. Detroit style pizza, you know, yeah. what with this new style of pizza. It's been around since 1946, <laughs> folks. Right. But tavern style's been around again since the 1930s or 40s for sure. It's a novelty. It's something that's unique and it's it's eye-catching. It's like it's wow, what is that? You, know, you can hold up a little square and it holds its shape. It doesn't flop. Yeah. A lot of times people talk about traditional pieces of pizza. It's always about the flop. Does it flop or not? Can you fold it in half? And you don't have that issue typically with a good tavern style. It should hold its shape like a cracker. It's easier to eat. It's a lot more fun. You can, I mean, one person could probably destroy a 14-inch pizza by themselves. There's not a lot of crust to this. So I don't find it as filling. I can enjoy more of the pizza this way. For so many people, for millions of people, it's their childhood in the Midwest, I think. You know, I'm from Minnesota. I went to school in Wisconsin. I've worked in Michigan and Illinois and Iowa. I'm very familiar with this pizza and how prevalent it is, and it's just, it's everywhere. But especially in Chicago, people talk about Chicago-style pizza. I always go back to this is the original style, Chicago-style pizza, because, you know, again, this was around in the 40s in, in spades versus one place called the Pizzeria, or then it became Uno's later in 43, you know, and then 55, we had Douay's, and 66, we had Gino's East, and 71, you get Lou's and the floodgates open. But, you know, that's 30 years later. Tavern style is really our style of pizza. So I think it's it's catching on because people from Chicago have spread out around the country, yeah. and you've got people living in other parts of the country. I can get tavern style now outside of Nashville. Right. There's a guy in Clarksdale making tavern style pizza. There's a yep. guy in Long Beach making tavern style pizza. So that's what's cool about it. And when people get turned on to it, they're like, wow, this is really, really good. Yeah. And you bring up a great point with Nashville. It's not uncommon to find a hot chicken place. Depends on how good it is, but like in any major city now. I mean, listen, people are curious in this country. We got 300 plus million people. So we're curious. We're, we're, we're big eaters. We love to try things. We're really into regional specialties. When I go somewhere, you know, if I'm going to be in the Southeast, you know, I want to eat crabs. And when I'm going to be in the West Coast, I want to have something that's specific there. So when I'm in the Midwest, you know, yeah, you want to have tavern style pizza. That's what we should be known for, uh, just like anywhere else in the country. I got to ask, how much pizza do you eat a week? Is it something at home if you're making it? Is that a Friday night thing? Is it every, I mean, like what, you've made this I, your career. I'm just very curious. Yeah, I probably on average, I mean, I'm probably making pizza at home every 10, 12 days just because I want to get you know used to the practice of it and of the tavern style only that I'm making. And then I probably go out probably f- three times a week for pizza. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm going somewhere that maybe has pizza, but they're known for something else, I'll still try the pizza just yeah. so I can sort of check that box. Yeah. But I would say I prob- I'm eating pizza in some shape or form three times a week. And what's the last, what we'll leave listeners with this, what's the last like terrific piece of pizza you had in the city? Well, I just did something about uh, Pizza Mata, which is in uh, Logan Square. Jason Vincent, the chef at Giant, mm-hmm. And he started with an East Coast style pizza that's that was pretty good. And then he added a special doing tavern style. And now that tavern style is on the menu every day. So both his pizzas are really interesting. The, the East Coast is like an eight-day ferment. So really kind of funky, earthy, sourdough chew. And then his tavern style is this textbook, crispy, crunchy, 
cracker thin. Yeah. So I like Pizza Mata, M-A-T-T-A. It's on uh, Armitage, about 3200 block of uh, West Armitage. Fantastic. Steve, thanks for sharing your expertise. Here's to finding the next great piece of pizza, and I appreciate you sharing a lot of your knowledge with listeners oh, today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. After the break, Chicago Tribune food critic Louisa Chu dishes as well on Pizza Mata, as well as Bungalow by Middlebrow and Professor Pizza, distinguishing their approaches to tavern-style pies. Stay tuned. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Louisa Chu is a James Beard-nominated food critic for the Chicago Tribune, where she published a recent article on three Chicago restaurants doing tavern styles that she deems impeccable. She was born in Hong Kong but moved to Chicago very early on, so I wanted to ask her about her earliest pizza memories in the city. My earliest memories of pizza were delivery from father and son back in the day when the crust was kind of almost nearly indistinguishable from the cardboard box uh, in which it was delivered. The crust was not good. And actually, I have to admit that my regular neighborhood pizza place now, the crust is not very good. I mean, it's kind of like floury and you peeled the top off and you ate the toppings. You never ate the crust as a kid because the crust was not good. There's such a science, right, to this type of pizza in particular, making sure that the sauce, the toppings, the cheese, you, you want to make sure that the crust is carrying, uh, to use a word, those things and delivering them to you in a, in a great way so that right. there is some crunch there. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people, especially with takeout or delivery uh, and not so much dine-in, tend to think this thing is going to be you know, soggy by the time I get it. 
Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why the phrase pizza bones exists because you ate <laughs> like the topping and if you couldn't unstick it, you ate the stuff that was under, but like the crust, the edge itself, it was like, that's pizza bones. You didn't eat it. <laughs> you know, that's like the idea that we grew up with. And as far as science is concerned, that's become like a fairly kind of newer thing um, with the, you know, newer generation that's making this, you know, tavern style pizza that it's really so good. The crust is so incredible, but like, there's still plenty of regular Chicago neighborhood pizzerias where like there's no science involved whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And I'm learning something new today. I've never heard pizza bones before. So thank you oh. so much for telling me that I'm going to be, I'm going to be using that. I think totally. And everybody knows what you're talking about, right? Like when you say pizza <laughs> bones, it's that edge that's like inedible because it's like, you know, no, I don't not, I'm not sure that's very good for my digestive system. <laughs> <laughs> what made you focus specifically on these three proprietors in particular? Because they have each been doing this other style of pizza, but then they also added on tavern pizza, or what I'd like to call right now, new tavern style. And um, it became regularly available. It's ranged from like really amazing and great from like, say, Vito Nick's on the South side and Pat's on the North side, where it's like thin and crisp and delicious. And then Kim's Uncle Pizza, the kids behind um, Pizza Fried Chicken Ice Cream, started doing this like also like amazing thin crust pizza, but really hasn't been until like this trio started doing something like completely different. Like they sort of like went off the charts in terms of like the extreme execution of like the thin crust at Bungalow where they only do it on Tuesday. It's like so thin. I was like, this is like an abstract idea of a pizza. You've never seen pizza this thin ever, wow. ever. Yeah. And pizza mata, again, the toppings, like the care, you know, which you would expect from Chef Jason Vincent, uh, who is a James Beard nominated outstanding chef, you know, nationwide. The amount of thought and care that he puts into his cheese is like, it's like it redefines plain cheese pizza. No such thing as plain. And then you get Professor Pizza, where like the toppings are so incredibly like, fanciful you know he's got these like whipped ricotta rosettes you look at it and you're like I'm looking at this landscape that's edible pizza it's like clouds of ricotta and then like this chiffonade of basil and then like these tiny little sweetie peppers I'm like I have never experienced those sweetie pepper chilies you know we kind of reached this point where it just seemed to make sense to focus on these three doing these really different styles of new tavern style pizza well, I wanted to break down uh, some of the reviews uh, in here and kind of talk about each place real briefly. I loved how now Bungalow by Middlebrow that in your article, you use the word communion in describing them because <laughs> I grew up, I grew up a kid going to Catholic grade school. Yeah. So I'm picturing a communion wafer like yes. thinness here uh, with obviously, thank goodness, a lot more flavor. Yes. Um, you mentioned it's very flaky, but mm -hmm. the thing that stood out to me in the article is that Bungalow is doing even smaller cuts than your traditional tavern style. Completely. It was funny. I'm so glad that you brought that up. I wanted to mention that idea of communion because it is like the communion, the community and the communion with like this history. But I didn't want it to seem too blasphemous. You know, I mean, just out of respect for, sure. uh, for people's beliefs. But um, <laughs> the religion of pizza in Chicago is definitely a thing. When I first got it, it was so funny because like, of course, pizza connoisseurs know that that corner triangular piece is like the most coveted 
And like, I got ones that were so tiny. They were like half the size of my pinky nail. And I'm like, what's going on here? It's like, what is this? A corner piece for ants? You know, I mean, it was like so hilarious. And so I was talking about it to Pete Turnus, who, who he created the pizza. He's one of the founders of uh, Middlebrow Brewery. And he was the creator of that style at Bungalow, which is their restaurant side. And he was like, yeah, we deliberately like really try to like cut them as small as possible. I'm like, why? It's just like, it's just something fun. And I think that's hilarious. Again, not only extremely thin, but extremely small. And then they're so careful when they bring it to your table, those little corner pieces don't just like fly off, you know, because that happens. And so it is just like this absolute amazing, almost like performance art piece when it comes to tavern style pizza. That's amazing. And obviously, you know, when you're talking about pieces that small, that it's like what I talked about the toppings and the sauce before too. You mm-hmm. don't want then all of a sudden, oh, just my fingers now are just covered in toppings and sauce. The fact that it's so small, but yet so thin and so hefty though on the bottom to be able to hold that flavor is yeah. really an important thing. Absolutely. And really crisp and crunchy, but like not just simply a cracker because like I, I've had those like fancy crackers. I love on like the charcuterie boards. But it's like cracker crunchy to have that heft, like you're saying, to hold the toppings, which are incredibly also finely considered. But then there is like some pliability in there, like layers of a croissant, you know, so it's incredible how much they pack in there into these layers. Well, and I recall some focus on the veggie pizza in that part of the article too at Bungalow. Is there something in the presentation and base of the of the crust and sauce that ups the game of the veggies on that one? Because as you guys were talking in the article, it's clear like the veggie pizza is not the first thing you might go to, but yet you highly recommend it coming from Bungalow. Actually, we both talked about how we hated the veggie supreme. The veggie supreme was like the pizza that parents ordered because like the kids should have a vegetable on pizza night and there are varying schools of thought about like what makes a veggie supreme but you it you almost always had green pepper because that was like the vegetable that was available typically at a pizzeria and I personally kind of hate how most green pepper sweet peppers are prepared having grown up in a Chinese chop suey you know family restaurant uh and um here it was just sliced like batons crisp and then the mushrooms are like I mean, like fallen leaves from autumn. They make the base layer of this pizza. So they're almost like imperceptible. And, um, you know, and then like, just like fine strings of onion, which when they bake, they kind of like curl up and like have that additional texture. So yeah, so no, we we actually kind of hate Veggie Supreme or we hated it. And there it's like, boom, it takes you back. It's the flavor of nostalgia. Imagine if we would have had childhoods where we loved Veggie Supreme. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be one way to get me to eat my veggies. That's for right. sure. I have a I have a five year old now. He's all about pepperoni. But right. yeah, that would be that would be the ideal delivery vehicle, I suppose. Totally. Uh, it'd just be through pizza. You know, over at Pizza Mata, it's about a three minute drive from Bungalow. Mm-hmm. And Jason Vincent, who we brought up before, he says. He didn't grow up with tavern style, right? He grew up in Cleveland. It wasn't a thing there. Yet you feel this place is one of the best doing it. So I think that's pretty special that he was able to like perfect this thing that he hasn't like had in his DNA all his life. Absolutely. When Jason first approached his uh, chef and partner about opening a pizzeria, they asked him like, hey, you want to do tavern style? And he's like, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> because he just like didn't have that again emotional connection to it right but he's able to bring in um the awareness like he was telling me that um you know he he listens uh he observes what's important about that style of pizza and then he was able to bring in billy z um also known as tripping billy who is a muscular dystrophy advocate in chicago and he shared his recipe and Jason was able to translate that to, you know, pizzeria volume. And so he understood that it needed to be crisp and crunchy, but again, have some chew and texture. And then the importance of like the, you know, again, that sauce and the cheese and, you know, that being like the, the fundamentals of what makes Chicago style tavern important, even though he didn't grow up with it, he as a, like an amazing chef understood what was important. Well, let's talk about cornmeal real quick with pizza mm. mata. Like what is cornmeal's function in keeping that crust rather crispy? So tavern style, actually um, both at pizza mata and professor pizza, and especially professor pizza, it's not just a sprinkling. They're talking about like handfuls incorporated into the dough. And that really gives it an additional texture. It really changes the character of the dough in terms of the fermentation you know, this is, again, one of the big, big differences with this new school, you know, the new tavern style, which is like when they make the dough, they're not making pizza with that dough that same day. It takes like sometimes four, five days, depending on the flour, depending on like the, you know, season. And that cornmeal really then adds to the character, the flavor and the texture. That's a really distinctive Chicago style again, thin crust, tavern-style pizza. And Professor Pizza, of the three in this article, they're thinking a little bit more outside the box as far as uh, the toppings go. Ricotta is naturally heavy. When we mm -hmm. get a pizza, my wife and I love getting like a white pizza, but that ricotta will really weigh a pizza down. So yeah. if I'm them, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what can I do to like bring that essence there, but mm -hmm. yet make it lighter? So not only does he whip the ricotta or the ricotta, but he and his team, you know, they pipe it into these rosettes. And so it gives it like volume. It lifts the flavors and it also tempers like the extreme saltiness and like some of that sweetness from like the tavern out, you know, sauce, which is really classic. And again, some of the saltiness too from like the the sausage because sausage is a really classic, you know, we're a sausage town. But yeah, so he really adds to it visually to the point where um, when I brought some home to my family, someone said, they're like, that looks like a pastry. It looks like dessert. And they just couldn't believe how much that it was just like it tasted so savory still and maintained all of the character, all those like emotional nostalgic notes of this looks completely different, but I recognize this as being Chicago style pizza. So I want to close out our conversation with a quote from uh, Tony Scardino from Professor Pizza in your article who said that, mm -hmm. you know, in the last 120 years, mm -hmm. it seems like if you were going to be part of the artisanal pizza scene, you had to be doing something indigenous to Italy. And I think he's right because I feel like there's this reach in all kinds of art mm -hmm. for authenticity, right? Um, mm -hmm. whether that's food or music or what have you. You want to be reverential to what came before or where these things originally came from. Mm -hmm. But tavern style tends to be thought of as quintessentially American, more specifically Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's essentially been around for less than 100 years. Mm -hmm. So just to wrap up, you know, why do you think this particular style has taken off and become one that 
you know, these national media outlets are covering. Uh, people are trying to perfect either in their own restaurants or at home. You're a food critic. What is it that you think is really driving that? I think a lot of it is just deliciousness. Like we understand it. We get it. Again, if you believe like the the myth, the legend that this really grew up in blue collar working class taverns, people understand it at that level. It can really become elevated to like James Beard chefs to that level. So it starts off with a fundamental base layer of like, I I understand this. Like we understand what this is. You understand what this is. Your kids understand what that is. And then we can literally have so many things that we can manipulate and change with it. And yet it still can be like a really fine expression of technique. And I think that's one of the big challenges and the exciting things for chefs too, that it's like, they're so little that um, you can really work with that it's like a challenge. And I think a lot of chefs um, across the country are really feeling like, you know, challenge accepted. And and then the other part of it is that it doesn't hold the stigma nationwide that deep dish or stuffed pizza has. It kind of relates a little bit more back to the Italian origin story of pizza, which is like, again, the thinner crust. This episode of Looped in Chicago was written, hosted, edited, and produced by me, Jim Hankey, with additional audio recording by Chris Lopez and Anne-Marie Welser. WBBM's news director is Craig Schwalb, and Myron Kaplan is our managing producer of national news podcasts. You can follow us on TikTok at WBBM News Radio 105.9, as well as on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at WBBM News Radio. And on all those outlets, we'll have visuals this week from our visit to Bungalow by Middlebrow. Thanks for listening, and we'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.